How are y'all? Good, man. Y'all doing all right? Yeah. Who's still waking up? Okay, I'll help you. Maybe I'll help you this morning. Um, It's really good to see y'all. Good to be here. I bring greetings from St. Petersburg Underground. Um, uh, Me and the little one, little Langston, is here somewhere over there chilling, just clueless. Um, I get to talk about, get into Acts 2 and talk about the Holy Spirit, which feels really heavy. uh, because this is uh, just just upon reading this scripture, I felt convicted. Like when you have to talk about the Holy Spirit every time you've made fun of speaking in tongues, you feel super convicted. And I was just like, okay, God, like, like re- literally, I was like, I can never do this again. I can never make fun of it. Uh, and partly because the as I as I look at the Holy Spirit. Um, and really consider where my faith lies and how I actually have thought about the Holy Spirit, um, there is deep conviction. And so uh, uh, this, is a re- this has been a really important passage for me. I think it's going to be really important for us. I want you to do something real quick. So uh, I know there are those who lead microchurches, those who are a part of them, um, those who are kind of trying to start them, and those who are uh, trying to figure it all out. Um, and then some who are just kind of checking it out and figuring out whether they, whether you uh, are going to stick around in, in your microchurch. I want you to do this, though. Talk, talk to somebody next to you and talk about, uh, if you started Microchurch, why did you start it? And what has been like the most helpful thing in starting it? Uh, and if you're a part of Microchurch, just talk about, man, why did you join that Microchurch? And and uh, why do you do some of the things? Like, what are some of the things you do in Microchurch and why do you do it? So I want you to talk about the motivations behind either starting or participating in your Microchurch. Okay? Just share that real quick with somebody next to you. Go. Okay, hold on to that. Hold on to that. I am going to come, I'm actually going to come back to that um, and, uh, and reference just what you said. I think it's, I think it's important uh, how you started, why you started is actually really important as we talk about um, the Holy Spirit. Just a few ground rules or, or some things that you sh- of note that you should consider. Concerning the Holy Spirit, there is a debate about the gender of the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, and, and how you should refer to the Holy Spirit. Some people say it, some people say he, somebody, some, some folks just like, it couldn't be a she. Um, I'm gonna go in between he and it, just, just so you know. The Greek, the way we translate it out of the, uh, the Greek is actually, um, they're, they're, it's hard to do so uh, a lot of times the, the the word for spirit is it has a masculine feminine it has a masculine is, is written in the masculine way now we like spanish has a masculine feminine uh part of its grammar english doesn't really have that um so just to make make maybe to make it plain um where some folk would translate the way to talk about the holy spirit in a way that says him really is because they use the masculine um, form of the word um, spirit. Uh, so it would be as if you read a Greek sentence that said 
man, my foot hurts because you stepped on it. That's what the Greek saying. But if you were to, to translate that Greek literally, it would say, and that, that the word foot was in uh, the masculine form, it would be as if you're saying, man, my foot hurt because you stepped on him. That is, that is, that is, that is what's going on with spirit. Um, and so I actually don't think it's uh, terribly important um, to like, figure out what's exactly the right way to refer to the Holy Spirit. Um, what we do need to land on that is uh, one of the three persons of God. It is fully God on earth. Uh, and, it's, and it's really important that we, we look at the Holy Spirit and learn and understand what's going on in this passage. Um, concerning speaking in tongues, I'm not really going to talk about that, so sorry. Uh, refer to 1 Corinthians 12, chapters 12 through 14. It's a really good, it's a really good, uh, Paul gives a really good talk about that and explains it and, and, and the importance of it. Um, man, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit because I think we are like wanderers in a world attached to the everlasting, but in a world that we have nothing of it, and of course we are found ones, we aren't lost, and we don't wander aimlessly, even though it can seem like that, we are led by the Holy Spirit, a force that is gentle, but it is a gentle wind that thunders, physically unseen presence of God that was there when matter itself was spoken into existence. And we have much to learn about the Spirit, God with us. And nevermore was, I realized this, y'all, that my faith in the Holy Spirit, uh, if I had to say, where does my faith land? Like, where's my faith the strongest? It is the weakest when I think about the Holy Spirit. Nevermore was this more evident when I was at a conference and I was, I was a leader and they sent groups of people out to go and do, uh, just to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, do some evangelism. Um, uh, and so we had heard, like, we felt like God said, man, somebody in a red shirt is going to need some healing. Um, and so we, we went out looking, talking with folk and trying to engage folk. Um, and I just remember being so nervous. I remember being so nervous. And then I remember we were walking and we hadn't found anybody in a red shirt. And I remember feeling so relieved. I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> healing is hard. Uh, and... And I remember walking, and then we was walking past somebody, and some dude, like, stumbled and, like, rolled his ankle and, like, fell to the ground. And I was like, oh, junk. And we looked, and he had on a red shirt. I was like, oh, gosh. And so somebody, some guy was like, I, I think we should pray. And at that moment, I was like, okay, you go. And I, <laughs> I sent him. So this, this story doesn't have a good ending. I, didn't, we, I actually asked the person, could we pray? They was like, get away from us. I was like, okay, good, good, we're we leaving. But my faith, my faith in God is, is the, it's the weakest when I think about the Holy Spirit, even though it's God. Do you realize the, the problem with that? If it's God with us, why is my faith the weakest? I believe the Spirit wants to press Himself into the deepest and most important, port, the deepest and most permanent parts of our hearts this morning. And I want to pray for the courage, for our courage, that we will have the courage to allow the Spirit to convict and guide us this morning. God, 
I love you, and I ask that my words not be mine, uh, that you would take hold of my body, my thinking, my thoughts, my words, and that you would help us interact with heaven this morning. I ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so you have a passage. It's in front of you. Uh, go ahead and, and read through that passage. I'm going to go pretty quickly, uh, but I, am, I do want to give you time to read it, and then we'll, you'll talk uh, to each other about it, uh, and then we'll go from there. So go ahead, Acts 2, 1 through 13. Um, go ahead and read it, and then I'll prompt you to talk to each other about it. All right, I know that wasn't a lot of time, but finish your last thoughts. Finish your last thoughts. All right, we do have mic runners who are going to come to you if you have questions or you have an observation. Uh, so when you raise a hand, wait for them to come. Uh, Herbie, let's go. Sound check, sound check. Microphone check. There, oh, there we you go. are. Good morning. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I grew up Pentecostal, so this was like a go-to passage for Pentecostals. Yeah. Like, you had to have this in your, like, little, like, yep. bag if you're Pentecostal um, for, you know, your Pentecostal apologetics, you know? <laughs> and so um, one thing that always, like, it always felt like when you're Pentecostal, like, like um, tongues is kind of like a level up in a video game, you know what I'm saying? First you get saved, <laughs> and then you level up. Now I got. Now I'm speaking tongues. I've leveled up. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, it's always, but it was always viewed as a sort of individual, like achievement. Yep. You know what I'm yes. saying? When you level up, it's for you. Which I mean, in Corinthians, Paul kind of does, kind of like talk about how there's mm-hmm. this sense in which, like, yo, go do that on your own in your prayer closet with Jesus. Yeah. Unless you have interpretation in the church, don't don't do it. You know what I'm saying? But in this sense, there is this communal and missional aspect to it. Like, yeah. it, it's not just for you. It, it's, it's for everybody around you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it is interesting that they're together as a community and the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then it's for these, these people here, God being praised in their own languages. And even in Corinthians, the, the thing that Paul does like is if you do have an interpreter, because it can edify what he says, edify the body. Um, so yeah, it is interesting that there there are lines of thinking that it feels like this is you know you got your your Mario mushroom you done leveled up uh, you uh, and this is like something to achieve for your own personal uh, kind of gain um, uh, but this is different this is different what else um, right here yeah sorry sorry Mike run I'm gonna trust the Mike runners okay in the back so I. I feel like at the end of this, these it, it kind of there's two different responses to what they see. It feels like there's this what does this mean? This inquisitive, like I want to understand, versus this this is a bunch of BS. Like whatever's happening, they're crazy people. Yeah, and I I feel like I've seen that before. I've seen that in these kind of like when I, and I I have responded in one of those two ways when I look at supernatural things. Or I look at uh, things that I don't understand, right? Things that are beyond my current ability to understand. It's either I want to understand it, 
or that's crap. You know, whatever that is, they're crazy people. Yeah. And I feel like that same response that I have when I look at supernatural things or I see things that could be supernatural is happening here at the end of the passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we have to be careful with when things are different from what we have experienced, we have to be careful with just writing it off. I think you talked, uh, when we first got into Acts, you talked about how the Holy Spirit is, is it does what it wants. And there's things that it does that, that can be surprising. And that, that's, you can come into a surprise and feel like, okay, this must not be right, but we have to be careful with that. I remember the first time that I was in a Pentecostal church and somebody got up and started running a lap. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I actually wanted to do it. I was like, I think I want to like do that, but it might be disrespectful. I need to learn a little bit about this, um, about what's going on here and why people running laps uh, in this church. Um, but even you know, even y'all just like what people are running laps. That's 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 different. And what, but what if the spirit told you you need to get up and run? What if he told you that? Would you do it? What else? Go ahead. Um, I found it really interesting last last week and this week looking at both of those verses, both of those passages connected. Um, thinking of last week when we were talking about they were just waiting, that Jesus yep. had told them to wait for um, the Spirit to come, and trying to picture myself in that position of waiting. And I wonder how many times during that week or 10 days, whatever they were waiting, I wonder how many times people were thinking, oh, wait, was that it? Did yeah. I just, was I just filled with the Holy Spirit? And then contrasting that week of waiting that they might have had times of wondering that to this, where it's like, okay, there's no question. Yeah. When they're actually filled, you know it. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting because I did wonder, man, why such a big display in this passage? Like this, 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 this rushing wind, this loud wind, and then everybody starts speaking in a different language. Um, part of it, I think, is, yeah. You know it happened. Like, that is happening now. There's the, the, the wait uh, is over. Um, thanks for that. All right. One more. One more. Go ahead. Um, one of the things we were talking about is just how exciting this passage is in that um, this one, the, these Galileans, this one cultural group suddenly is able to express God's truth through multiple different languages that so that God's truth can be understood mm. Mm. in all different cultures and all different frames of mind. I mean, language to some extent shapes the way that you understand the world, and I think it speaks to the universality of Jesus and his truth, because now this can be shared throughout the rest of the world. It's not confined to one culture. It's not confined to one language, and just the idea of that is so exciting. Yeah, this is like a little preview of what Jesus said, that he said he would send them to the, as witnesses to the to the nations, and it's like already the Holy Spirit is, is, is giving us a preview of, of how that's possible. Um, I love that this is at, at Pentecost, uh, which is about 50 days after the Passover, so Jews uh, in that day would connect that to like when the Passover angel uh, kind of passed through Egypt, and you know they were free. Fifty days after that, Torah came to Israel, and so they would be making that connection. There's an agricultural context to this, also uh, a way in which this signifies a certain part of of of, of harvest and things like that. But um, the deeper thing is that they would they would 
they would know like this is this is the time that Torah, the law from God actually came to us 50 days after the Passover on, on Pentecost. And now, 50 days after the Passover feast, the celebration of remembering that Pentecost, now this, for the believers in Jesus, this is now a space where they will understand it was on Pentecost that the Spirit came to us, like the Spirit came down to us. There's a lot that's happening in this passage. Um, the Holy Spirit isn't just interacting with the world here and there, like we see throughout throughout scripture now the holy spirit is coming down and residing permanently taking the place of jesus in the world and i see three things i feel like this 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 passage is about power uh, both in the fulfilling of promise and in the holy spirit's authority it's about witness the witness of the holy spirit it's about the leadership of the holy spirit Y'all, the Spirit was there in the beginning, hovering over the deep, mysteriously participating in the creation um, of the world as we know it. In the Old Testament, the Spirit in Exodus 31 gives wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and artistic ability. This is one of the first acts of the Spirit. The Spirit causes animals to talk. Uh, He gave judges wisdom through the Spirit of God. Prophets prophesy the Spirit is so real that people believe the Spirit of God could physically transport you. This is what we see in 2 Kings in the account of Elijah when he was taken up in a world when there's people who come to Elisha and say, should we go look for him? Like, did, did the Spirit take him somewhere? Should we go look for him? And in the New Testament, we see that the Spirit continues to transport people. We saw that in Philip. It just said the Spirit just took him up. And maybe the most surprising thing about the Spirit is that Jesus himself said that he should go to make room for him. He should go because it's better that the Spirit comes. Jesus, who was pretty phenomenal in his own right, uh, said it was better for the Spirit to come and for him, the Spirit, to spend time on earth. This is some promise that he's given his disciples that it's better for me to go and better for the Spirit to be here. And Jesus made other promise. He promised to always be with the disciples to the end of the age in Matthew 28. Jesus promised that where two or three were gathered in his name, that he would be with them. If he's going, how is he going to be with them? But he made this promise. I believe these promises have a proximity, a physical proximity element to them, that they are evidence that God has an ace up his sleeve. In Acts 1, the disciples were expecting Jesus, the one that liberates Israel and makes them a superpower. They expected Jesus to be the one that liberates Israel and makes them a superpower. And then Jesus dies and it's all over. Then he comes back and it's back on. He got up and conquered death. His disciples asked him, you're going to restore Israel now. And Jesus is like, I ain't here the one that you should be asking and it's not for you to know. And then promises that he, then then two promises he gives. You receive power from the Spirit and you will be my witness to the ends of the earth. And Jesus was like, then he was like, peace. And then that's how, then ascension. That's how I, that's how I pictured it. The assurance was two things. Holy Spirit, power, witnesses to the earth. And in this moment, we see God make good on that promise. And it's not a burning bush seen by one man. It's, it's, a still, it's not a still, small voice. It is a sound like a violent wind. And this is a fulfillment of promise. And what I am drawn to in this passage is that the power this promise fulfillment shows. 
Y'all, can you put yourself in that room? The, the, the disciples can't even control their tongues. People around have to respond to this great sound of wind. They are captivated by hearing their language. Could you imagine being in, can you just imagine with me being in that room with the disciples? Can you hear, just to hear something, have you ever heard thunder? Anybody ever been scared by like thunder? Yeah? No? Yes? All y'all brave like that? I'm the only one that gets scared by thunder, especially when it's like quick right after the lightning and you ain't expect it. Man, y'all lying to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but this rushing wind and then something, can you imagine seeing something like fire descending and then splitting and then landing on you and then all of a sudden you can't control your tongue. You start speaking some language that you never knew or learned. It is an exciting passage. And here's my thing. The Spirit came in power. On the line is this restoration of Israel. On the line uh, is the disciples needing power. And the first thing that they do is they declare the praises of God. They declare the praises of God. The Spirit came in power, and the first thing it does is empower the disciples to declare the wonders of God. No secrets to restore Israel. They just declare the wonders of God. And I believe this is the restoration of Israel, that they would be a representation of God. This has been God's promise all along, that they would show the world who God is. And it's no wonder that when the Spirit comes, this is what He does. He starts declaring, they start declaring the wonders of God. And those who are outside, who speak different languages, hear those declarations. This is powerful. And we need power when we think about starting things. We feel like we need power. We need, uh, we need something from God. I'm wondering, what is that thing that you feel like you need from God when, you, when he calls you to something greater than yourself? Do you feel like you need some kind of like great thinking or something? When he gives you his praises to, to, to say to the world, do you feel like that's enough? Leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit is an interesting thing. I was, I was, uh, I was privileged to hear about a pregnancy and parenting center, Christian center, that started in um, a historically black part of St. Pete called Next Step. And... Uh, and I visited uh, with, a, with, with a friend, uh, and we got to hear their story about how they started. Um, they knew, that these, these Christian folk knew that, man, African-American communities are the biggest targets for Planned Parenthood. And so they wanted to see something else offered in that place. And so this lady proceeded to tell the story of how this organization started. She said they did not have a, a building, and so they prayed for it, and they waited on the Holy Spirit. And they were given a building, but then the building was condemned, and they did not have the funds to, to tear down the building. And so they prayed and waited on the Lord, 
And somehow they got connected to the fire department who liked, who needed to do drills and work on buildings, like set them a fire, put them out um, uh, to work on buildings. And so it was like, you can use our building. We need it going anyway. Um, and they were like, but if we get it burnt down, we don't know if we're going to be able to haul it off. So give us, a, uh, give us some time. And the fire department was like, no, 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 we do all that. We, we, we set it on fire, you know, uh, put out the fire and we haul everything away. And that's how they got the, the space cleared for their building. But then they needed blocks for their building. They did not have any blocks for the building, like, like building materials. And so they prayed, wait on the Lord, and one of the, this pastor who was really helping out went to this, this, this material manufacturer and said, look, we need blocks, but we need them for free. <laughs> and God was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> And he's like, cool. Well, it's out there. You know, it's out there. And so then uh, uh, the, the guy who owns the manufacturing business goes back into his little yard and realizes there's this, this set of blocks that's just been there for days. And they belong to somebody who had wanted to, uh, like, build something, but some kind of contract fell through, and it's just there. And so he calls the pastor back, look, we can give you, I got some stuff. We can give it to you at cost. Uh, you just got to haul away. And that's how they got the materials to build their building. But three weeks out from the build, they needed somebody to build it, but they didn't have a lot of money. And they found this organization that actually builds for free. They, they help nonprofits build for free. And so they, they, they prayed and they asked these people and they said, look, we're, we're booked three years out. Like, we got, we got projects three years out. So if you can wait three years, it's like, we ain't got three years. We just got these materials. We need to get this show on the road. Y'all, they prayed. Miraculously, there was a cancellation. And the folk was like, if you can be ready in three weeks, we'll come and build. And that's how their building got built. Y'all, what do you feel like you need to start something? Do you feel like you need a bunch of donors? I feel that. Do you feel like you need some amazing strategy, some, some really thoughtful and, and high-educated consultants to help you start something? In your deepest part of you, do you feel like, man, the thing that I need the most, and probably the only thing I need, is the Holy Spirit, and then everything else will fall in line. The Holy Spirit contains all the power we need. He is the power needed in fulfilling God's promise. And here is just the simple truth. God is building his kingdom. We are joining him. The Holy Spirit knows more than we do what it looks like to build that kingdom. He and he has the power to build it. What promises has God yet to fill his call on your life? Where has he called you? Who has he called you to serve? There are evils, no doubt, that inhabit those places that we are called to. There are challenges, no doubt, in the places that we are called to. But do we understand that the Holy Spirit's presence, that if God said, look, I'm sending you this place, his promise is that he would be with you. And, this, and the fulfillment of that promise is the Holy Spirit. And we need to cling to the Holy Spirit. The fulfillment of God's promise in those places that we are called to is the presence of the Holy Spirit in those places. Second witness 
I've known witnesses to the gospel. I've known a lot of interesting witnesses and good witnesses. I remember Steve Berlin. Steve Berlin was my uh, was a good friend, white guy in high school uh, who just didn't care about who was present. He was going to talk about Jesus. It, he was so odd. I feel like he was so odd that he would just talk about Jesus at any moment um, and do it really enthusiastically. You know, in high school, you just, there's a way in which you try to be cool and you want to see things done in a cool way. He wasn't about that life. (laughs) He just on fire for Jesus and would not shy away from talking about Jesus um, in any way. He was an interesting witness. My mama was the most uh, irritating witness, I'll say that. So we didn't have, a lot of cars we had had air conditioning for all of two months, and then air conditioning was gone. So if you put four or five boys in a car with no air conditioning, that's a lot of body heat, you sweating. I mean, we would be at gas stations, and I kid you not, my mom, but somebody would just say, hello, how you doing? And my mom would somehow start a conversation with them about Jesus. And then, so we're in the car, sweating, sweating. This is child abuse. So, no, it wasn't child abuse. For the record, this is not child abuse. It's child rearing. So we... We would be sweating. My mom would have these like 10, 15 to 30 minute conversation with somebody about Jesus, just witnessing the people. I remember the first time I heard Tony Evans on, uh, on the radio. I, 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 I instantly perked up because I was like, oh, black guys on, on Moody Radio? What is happening? That was all my parents l- listened to. Uh, and I just remember hearing the gospel, hearing him talk about God in ways I'm like, oh, I can I understand this. This is good. And he's yelling at me. That feels like what I'm used to. Yell at me, Tony. Yell at me. <laughs> Some of y'all can go and li- listen to Tony Evans. You can be like, he is yelling at me. Uh, I remember hearing Tom Skinner's 1970 Urbana address. Urbana is this one of the biggest mission uh, conferences in the U.S. and Tom Skinner in 1907 delivered this timeless rendition of how the gospel invaded his life. He was like the leader of this gang that was the most notorious gang in New York at the time. Who oh, he's a former leader and and found Jesus. And he just delivered this rendition about how the gospel is meant to overturn the whole world order. And that that witness, him as a witness, was significant in my life. These witnesses were great in their own right. When I explore scripture, I see many more witnesses of note. Perhaps the greatest of these were Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary who, who, who saw Jesus, who, who saw, who witnessed the empty tomb first. And they went. Mary Magdalene, who had Jesus had delivered from seven demons. They go in a culture where women's voice don't really supposed to count. They go and they witness to the disciples and they tell them that Jesus is risen. And of course, Jesus was an amazing witness proclaiming the coming of a kingdom whose foundation would be laid in the laying down of his life. And yet, dare I say, Jesus was not, is not the greatest witness. Feels a little weird to say that, right? But I think it's because we're unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit. How can the one who speaks to the heart 
of many be greater than one who can speak to the heart of all, who can inhabit the hearts of all. I think Jesus knew this. He knew that the Holy Spirit is the grandest and most powerful witness of God to the known and unknown world, and we must live into this reality that the Holy Spirit is witness. I speak in places where I don't know the crowds a lot. I go and speak, I'll go and share at different campuses, and I don't usually know people. So every time I go, I just try to walk around wherever the place I'm at, and I just ask Jesus, what do you want to say? I really ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And every time I do this, there's always this weird, has nothing to do with my talk, word that comes. Um, to me. One day I, I asked the host, I said, what do you want to say? And he said, man, somebody's having trouble with their girlfriend. You need to tell them. It's like, what? I'm talking about planting chapters. What do you mean tell them that? I was going to speak for some St. Petersburg college students and, uh, and, uh, and the Lord said, look, somebody has, is dealing with trauma. I'm like, that's, that's kind of general, God. That's you got some more? No, trauma that life and death trauma that you need to pray about. And so I go to this meeting, and the meeting is about, multi, we talk about multi-ethnicity. So I'm like, life and death trauma, nah, it's, I don't know if I can connect that guy, but I'll pray for it. So I get in front, I just say, hey, the Lord says somebody, somebody's dealing with life and death trauma. So we're going to pray for it. And I see some girl like kind of start raising her hand, but we pray. And afterwards, it turns out that, that, that she, a friend's daughter, had actually attempted suicide. And it was heavy on her heart. I had a, a friend at USF who was at an event. And, she, and he felt the Lord saying, look, it's an event with a lot of vendors, just random vendors um, at USF. And he, he felt like the Lord say, Look, uh, you need to. There's gonna be a girl with a ponytail that you need to go and tell them. Like, uh, you, I think you feel like your rainbows have been taken away. Um, but God is here for you. What is that? <laughs> How do you even start that conversation? <laughs> so he sees the girl pony. He goes up to her and says, "You." You feel like your rainbow's been taken away? Do <laughs> you, you, you feel like rainbow's been taken away and like life is a little bit dull and hard or something? And yo, the girl, you would think, it's, it's so weird, but her face just changes. And she, and she says, can you see that on my face? And he's like, no, the Lord just told me to say that to you. And then he witnesses to her. Let's know that, you know, God sees you. And he comes to this, he comes to this Akka moment at the end was like, can I pray for you? And she's like, no, 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 that's weird. Don't do that. And then he says, can I pray for you? And he prays for her in his own time.
the Holy Spirit is working all around us, witnessing to hearts in the background, pulling hearts towards God and inviting us into that work. And my point is simply just to let you know that there is a witness among us who is the greatest. He calls us to come alongside him, to be witnesses with him to the world. We ask you to get started on your calling. We say you need to do something. You need to go this place that God's calling. We want to empower you, resource you to do something. But you need to know our, our for the underground. Every time we try to like empower you or encourage you to go to your calling, in that, maybe it won't be directly said, but in that, we are saying you need to be on your knees with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, his witness is in that place that he's calling, already calling you to. It's already there, and you need to become connected with that. This is what it means to start something. This is where starting something starts. It begins with believing and connecting yourself to the witness of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples speak in the language of those around them. The Holy Spirit is already drawing this, the attention of nations, and it has been a permanent resident of earth for all of 10 minutes. And it's drawing the attention of the nations. When you describe your microchurch, its inception, what contributed to its success was the spirit, the main part of that conversation, was the Holy Spirit and its work in your heart, in your actions in your thinking was the Holy Spirit the main thing now don't don't let me lose you I know some of you just you, you say it you say like yeah Jesus Jesus led me to this or God led me to this I think that's you talking about the Holy Spirit and this morning I just think I need to make it known because there is a thin line between knowing about the Holy Spirit, but only connecting that to like things like tongues in a worship service, or like great and miraculous, some kind of crazy event. There's a thin line between that and realizing, no, the Holy Spirit is God with us. The one who Jesus said, it's better that He comes. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your guide. He's going to be your comforter. Everything that you, in a sense, the heart of it, Jesus, everything that you are looking for in me, you know, that question that you have when you say, man, I wish I could have been alive when Jesus was around and I could have been near him. And Jesus, I think Jesus' answer to us would be like, you have the Holy Spirit. I'm right there.
in this passage, the Holy Spirit has created a spectacle that is making outsiders curious. We see this phenomenon in this passage, and we see it throughout the New Testament, that the witness of the Holy Spirit causes the world to react. It's not forced. Holy Spirit somehow, though powerful and has the ability to rush in like a wind and take control of people's speech, it also has this characteristic of being gentle and not forcing itself. passage it says that the people who had gathered were amazed and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean some however made fun and I, I want to just land on that I feel like this passage like Joshua talked about in his observation I, I think there's this question that this passage makes us wrestle with at the end and that we probably go, you, you're probably going to get into next Sunday but when the world reacts, how will we respond to it? How will we respond to it? I, I, I think there's three things that we tend to do. We want to conform to it. We want to kind of, kind of uh, uh, conform to the, the world's critique and the basis. So if they say, man, that looks funny, we feel like, oh, man, maybe we're not doing it right. Or maybe I need to change something. Maybe I, I should stop. Or we debate, we want to combat and make sense of it, make logical arguments uh, to, to combat the world's interpretation of what's happening among us. My charge to you is to be about something greater and invite the world into that. The Holy Spirit is our God, not the world. And my charge to you is to be about something greater. My hope is that when the world sees us and they see these people guided by this, this unseen force, that there will be some question, that maybe there will even be some critique and some ridicule, but that we, how we respond will be as witnesses, that we will mimic the witness of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you something. I want to show you these pictures of my kids. So we took them to a splash park the other day uh, just to have some fun in the water. And so first I want to show you Langston, if you got that picture. Langston, the little one. So that's Langston just drinking processed park water. That's what he does. He just sits, does this when he gets excited and just starts trying to lick the water up. But y'all, we were there at this park, and there's a lot of kids around, and they're running around, and, and they're having fun. This is what you're supposed to do at Splash Park. You're supposed to run, get through the water, uh, just go lose your mind. And that's what kids are doing. They're losing their minds. And, but this is what, for a good, I look over and I see Timo. And this is what Timothy is doing. Go to the next one. So I'm like, 
I was back at first when I took the picture. Then I said, what is happening? So then I got closer. Just it's a close, you got a close-up of them. Eyes closed for a good 10 minutes. He's in the water like that. Kids running around him, losing their minds, and he's just in the water, eyes closed, still just chilling. First thing I think is my kid is crazy. Like he is just odd. But then I had a conversation with Stefania. And Stefania said, you know, I asked him what he was doing. And she said, Tim, she asked Timothy, Timothy, she felt, she, it must have been a Holy Spirit moment because she felt like she knew what he was doing. She said, Timothy, were you just thinking about life? And he goes, yeah. I was just thinking about life. That is the image of us. That there would be chaos in the world. That there would be challenges among us, that there would be hurt around us, that there would be folk who freak out about what's happening. But we're connected to something deeper, something more profound, something that we will wait on even as we experience chaos, something that we would hold on to even when our friends seem to betray us, something that we would grab hold on to. It is God among us that we would wait in this deeper place that even as excitement and chaos surrounds that we would be connected to the Spirit there will be times where your strategy and your thinking does not suffice. And the only thing that you should hold on to is the Holy Spirit. Let Him lead you in this way. Y'all, the simple thing that I want to leave with you in all of this is that you would remember no that God is with you and is in the Holy Spirit. That you would know Him, pursue Him. That He would be a thing that causes you to just settle in to life. Even as chaos surrounds. What is the cross other than that thing which the Holy Spirit points us towards? The cross is where our Lord said to the chaos of the world, You are finished, you are done. My power is enough for my people. My power will always be with my people. The 
cross, as the Holy Spirit witnesses, it points those to God. It points those who don't know Jesus to the cross. I actually just want to give you some time to sit with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. To just do business with Him. To enjoy Him. To let Him speak to your heart. Let Him both convict and comfort. And I'm not sure what's supposed to happen in this moment. But I am going to say when you feel led by the Spirit to whatever that means to come and partake in this most holy sacrament. I want you to come up. On the night that He was betrayed, we know that Jesus took bread and He broke it. Saying, this is my body as often as you eat. Eat in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, He took the cup and it said this is a new covenant in my blood as often as you drink drink in remembrance of me Holy Spirit I ask that you would work and act continue your conversation with the hearts of these here. Speak softly. Speak challenging words. Love on them. Heal them. Holy Spirit, be alive and present. When you're ready, the body and blood of Jesus feed.